Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Our date is the 24th of July, 2023. It's Europe calling with Vince and Barbara Ann. Well, our weather at the moment, it is a sweltering hot. It is that time of the year when we knew... Um, the, you'd expect uh, July and August to be really, really hot. Uh, all the Spanish take their holidays in August. I say all, but, you know, relatively it's everybody. The roads are jam-packed everywhere, gets a little bit uh, overheated. And uh, in a general sense, it's not as pleasant as maybe uh, when you've got the other parts of the year. We've just had the general election uh, again, uh, uh, a hung parliament, so we'll wait and see what happens. I think we went the best part of a year and a half, was it the last time that it was like this, which wasn't that long ago. Uh, so we will be looking now at what's happening in the UK. We're looking back and trying to make head or tail, a little bit of sense of what we see in the papers and how that affects people who maybe have come away from the country of origin. And uh, let's start off then. Our first um, article comes now. So eagerly awaiting our first article is Barbara Ann. So good afternoon and welcome to you. Good afternoon, Vince. Good afternoon, everybody. Yes, uh, as the word Vince said, the weather's very hot, very, very humid. Not very nice, but um, yeah, we, we're coping. We're coping. Okay, so we're looking at uh, our news headlines, which will, of course, come on the TV every other hour and... Uh, you know, it dominates the headlines, but it's what we see online now. The first time I picked this one up uh, was when I came to my computer, and uh, it does tell me, uh, I think it's very, very sad, but uh, we'll see what happens when I tell you that uh, Naga Munchetti burst into tears live on BBC Radio 1, Radio 5 today, as she learned George Alagaya had died aged 67 after a nine-year battle with bowel cancer. Uh, uh, an um, emotional uh, Clive Myrie and Fiona Bruce paid tribute to a giant of journalism, Alagaya, who joined the BBC in 1989 and had been the face of news at six since 2007, passed away peacefully, surrounded by his family this morning. This is according to the paper and according to what his agent had told the paper. He was, of course, a widely respected broadcaster, and uh, uh, I'm informed he's survived by his wife, uh, Frances and uh, Rhea Batten, and two children, Adam and Matten. And, of course, of course, we get uh, the sadness that he was diagnosed with stage four bowel cancer in April 2014 before finishing treatment in October 2015 and returning to screens a month later. His health was back in the headlines in March 2020 when he tested positive for COVID. Alagaya returned to presenting duties in April 2022 with um, until August before departing again in October 
after revealing that the cancer had spread to his lungs and lymph nodes. Uh, so um, the, I mean, the BBC is taking an absolute battering at the moment. Uh, this particular gentleman was respected, very well respected. He was one of these guys that turned up uh, reporting from here, there and everywhere, the sort of trusted face of the BBC. And, of course, um, people like Naga Manchetti and um, Clive Myrie and Fiona Bruce. These people are household names, bring in the news at regular times to people either in the UK or watching around the world but expecting the honesty and um, impartiality of the BBC, which normally you do expect and you you did get from these guys, didn't you? Yeah, uh, as you say, he's a well-respected person and uh, he will be sadly missed as a face on the television. Uh, you do get to sort of quite sort of used to seeing these people um on a daily basis as you say and they become part of your not of your family but part of your life uh, because you you tend to trust these sort of people to be telling you the truth so yes um, he'll be sadly missed okay i won't dwell on that one because it's a sadness that you'll hear about for yourselves and obviously um, i'm pretty sure that not many people will uh, particularly be other th anything other than uh, sad to see yet another stalwart go, and especially in the light of uh, what's been happening, of course, um, with Hugh Edwards, uh, because, you know, I don't think many people saw that one coming. I don't think many people really understood uh, and understand still, uh, but it has gone very, very quiet on that front, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was a shock, an absolute shock. Uh, well-respected, really well-liked person by, I would say, majority of the public. Um, and it, that, that just came right out of the blue. I don't think so much uh, well-liked. I think it was just a question of... Um, trusting trusting uh, yeah, I was going to say, when these people come on and become part of your lives, it's like yeah. when I've been doing my broadcasting, I've always felt that we have a... A special responsibility to try and do the right thing with whatever we're doing because basically other people will take note of uh, the sorts of things that you know these uh, yeah, broadcasters I mean nobody for a second uh, w would have really put any question marks against any of those names that we've well, mentioned you would uh, I mean apparently he's got um mental health problems and um, depression over I would say years apparently uh, but it, it wasn't, um, there was no suspect of that or no mention or you never thought anybody, anything would was happening to him, especially he always looked very well, um, sort of, he took af looked after himself. He was, uh, it was just a sort of a nice, responsible, uh, trustworthy sort of guy that you sort of uh, believed every word that he said but let's, on let's the television. Be, let's be honest as well. Be, be, before we actually got all the revelations and everything about people like Jimmy Savage, <laughs> Jimmy Savage, <laughs> Jimmy Savile, <laughs> that was a real Freudian slip if ever there was one, um, the <coughs> DJ that was obviously um, up to other things uh, and um, uh, uh, of course, you know, Rolf Harris, the, uh, the Queen's painter. Uh, it's almost like the BBC's been under constant attack 
for a long time now. It's almost like there's another part of the jigsaw puzzle. Have a go at the BBC as much as you can. Um, we'll come to other things, uh, but we do have another BBC story. So let me just quickly uh, pull this one up and then we can have a look at what this one's all about. So uh, this one is to do with the BBC apologising uh, to Nigel Farage for trusting inaccurate briefing from a senior source that he was debanked by Counts, this is a, the name of a very uh, well-established bank, for commercial reasons instead of his views. Now, that really doesn't make an awful lot of uh, sense to most people. Um, you know, uh, I think most people will, will have found this one a very strange thing. Uh, the BBC business editor, Simon Jack, conceded that although the source of the story was senior, the information turned out to be incomplete and and inaccurate and the acknowledgement came after the former UKIP leader demanded a response from the BBC over the bitter row. He's expecting to receive a letter from the broadcaster's chief executive later, former cabinet minister Jacob Rees-Mogg and a senior ex-presenter are among those who have called for the corporation to offer an apology. But it has become pretty obvious that the BBC has slid more and more and more to the left in a political sense um, and become ever more woke um, as we see things and hear things from a distance. Would you not agree? Well, yes. I mean, uh, it was a shocking mistake by the bank uh, to, to, uh, for the start. And for the reason that they gave was, again, not, not acceptable. I mean, um, Michael Farage... Um, Nigel Farage. Nigel, sorry, Nigel Farage is uh, a well, well-known person all over the world with, for his views. To, so to sort of um, accuse him of doing something like that, I think um, it was uh, he, they were on very dangerous ground. And um, I presume he's going to you know, he's going to um, do a case against them for false information. I would think so, anyway. Okay, we're we're trying to sort of make. A bit of, you know, and trying to understand this news as it comes out and everything. Uh, but, of course, it's a different sort of world that these people live in. We just go by the headlines and very often we won't find out uh, what it's really all about. Let me see what else I can find out as we go to another story. OK, so this time... Um <laughs> Okay, so a high-flying lawyer has outraged residents of a quiet village. So he's come in, he's bought a £1.3 million mansion and lodging plans for a helipad in the garden. Furious neighbours say they don't want their peace ended by Flash Myos Carrier, who wants unrestricted access for the helipad so he can fly billionaire clients into his country home. Mr. Carrier, is it? Uh, looks like it, that Carrier, K-A-R-I-A, who is one of the only several solicitor, solicitor advocates across the country, won permission for the helipad in the back garden of his six-bedroom luxury home. This is in Hampshire, in a place called Durley. However, after being granted just Two personal use round trips per month between 8am and 6pm by Winchester City Council. He's now applying for unrestricted use, allowing for irregular visits. OK, um, 
this is a sort of a totally different world to the world most people live in. And when you think about all this business that everybody's up in arms about, you know, just stop oil, uh, slow down the traffic and all that sort of stuff. Um, you'd think that they would be making sure that nobody can sort of fly in these type of things into residential neighbourhoods. Uh, maybe they didn't know about it. What what, what do you think for that sort of uh, well, again, a world? It's the money who talks, isn't it, really? It's, um, it's pretty obvious that he's got land. Um, it's pretty obvious he's got money and he's got very expensive clients as well, very rich, sorry, very rich clients who could afford to actually come in on a helicopter for a start. So we're talking um, a, a different level of people um, in, in the, you know, sort of uh, money-wise. So he, as most people with money, think they can do whatever, whatever they want. Um, I don't see the, a problem about a helicopter coming in on an irregular basis. He's not going to have clients every single day. Um, I, I would restrict it to maybe um, in the uh, in the night time, um, but he, he just can't um, bend the rules as solicitors do to suit themselves, basically. Well, w- w- I mean, we have uh, helicopters coming over here all the time, uh, but it isn't sort of every five minutes on the hour, five past I, the hour, I'm whatever. Not low down, they're high up. They're, they're going across us. So yes, you, we know, and everybody knows how loud a helicopter is when it's landing. You know, it causes the wind and everything else. Um, as I say, you know, money talks, doesn't it? You know, um, uh, and how regular. Can you have a customer? You're not going to have uh, a different client every day. I wouldn't have thought so. Um, but there you go. You know, more than likely it'll go through. Mm. Uh, it's interesting to note that really during the day, you know, these stories uh, become either more eminent and it goes to the top of the website or they slip down. And of course, um, you know... <sighs> I suppose this is the story of news all the time. Uh, but um, I started to look at one particular story I wanted to pick up on. Uh, but immediately I looked to try and find it. It has, of course, moved. I've got it back now. But I mean, it's just really you wonder is the idea to uh, try and hide the news and then see if uh, enough people can get away with it or don't bother looking at it. Well, you know, well, it does seem to change too quickly for exactly. me. Exactly. But it will be big news in that town village very big news there'll be you know your local council you there'll be the residents um complaining and especially the neighbors uh, in the vicinity of of this house i mean it, it is a disruption but it depends how often doesn't it i mean um let's be honest you know uh, it is a disruption but it's not actually hurting anyone is it you know so it just depends well, on the, it, it, the amount of times it's going to land. When you say it's not hurting somebody, if it was on sort of, you know, a, a very noisy uh, pathway flight, I mean, you you know yourself now and again, you you go looking out quickly because there's a helicopter coming very close it. to yeah, us. Yeah, you can hear it, yeah. But I mean, our concerns are always the likes of, is it a yellow holly helicopter? Because obviously that that tells us straight away there's a fire somewhere, which or, we don't or, want, you or know. Or a police, yeah, uh, yeah. Or a police helicopter or something like that. Okay, well, we move on and uh, let's see where we go next. Okay, now here's a story which uh, immediately 
a female teacher who was jailed for having sex with a 15-year-old pupil is flirting with lads working at her new job as a gate guard while on temporary release from prison. It's been claimed. And then it goes on to tell you about this uh, person. I won't give you a name. 37-year-old jailed for having sex after a cord hurt. She had groomed a schoolboy, taken him to a field, kissed him on the neck and whispered, what do you want me to do now before having full intercourse? But sources claim the mother of three has been a hit with the lads at her new job and they have uh, no idea about her background. Uh, I mean, this is, it's just sort of, um, yeah, you know, titillation in, in a journalistic sense. Uh, she was a supply teacher, by the way, from Wendover, Buckinghamshire. And um, the, the thing about the paper is it's all, you know, she spotted her victim at a school sports day and added him on Snapchat to send flirty texts. I really can't understand any teachers really acting like this, but... Um, maybe it's a little bit more revealing and interesting if we go and see what people actually think of it, because uh, that's another area which does interest me to see whether what I think is um, just not on, uh, whether it's now just becoming accepted. So um, we go underneath and we see some people say me, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it? Going to prison supposed to be a punishment, not a jolly up and out uh, days at work. What is wrong with our so-called justice system? Uh, We see a lot of this, don't we? Sort of things that have gone wrong and they shouldn't be getting away with it. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you're a teacher, you're there to teach kids. And this is not part and parcel of the teaching. Although if you look into what they're trying to teach in the uh, health education and uh, sex education uh, national curriculum now, from what we're being led to believe from the newspapers, uh, this is part and parcel of the course, isn't it? You know, um, what do you think as from a female perspective? Well, Well, firstly, you know, if I was a teacher... Uh, or even a teacher's assistant or or a supply teacher is what she is. You know, you know the rules. You know it's against um, it's against the rules to have sex with pupils, 15-year-olds or underage pupils. Um, but she's, I presume she's married or she's either got kids. It's just a bit sick, really, isn't it, that she can't control herself when she's actually working or supposed to be at a school uh, working. Um or she, you know, making contact with a 15-year-old and spotting him and all this. So was she out to do that in the first place? I mean, um, as far as I'm concerned, when you go to work, you go to go to work and you take the responsibility of being a teacher and nothing else. So um, I've got no sympathy for her whatsoever. Uh, I mean, regards going to prison, yeah, I mean... The prisons, uh, as far as we know, um, are getting more lenient. Um, you know, in some eyes, this is not a big offence, but it can lead to bigger things. You know, I mean, p- people are coming out of the woodwork that were abused many, many years ago, um, and they're all coming out of the woodwork now. So this woman um, would be maybe uh, allowed to carry on doing all this if, if she wasn't uh, punished in the sense of... Um, having a time in prison without any um, any luxuries or any uh, gifts. I've or, got you know. um, a story, or sorry, a comment underneath, which I think uh, is pretty 
I think it's pretty shrewd. Uh, you should, you couldn't blame her 100% for ultimately being hit on by men. So if she's flirting with people in the new job and they know a little bit about her, or even if she's just a nice-looking lady, uh, of course there'll be a bit of flirting going on. Uh, this guy, uh, or Bong Jong, I don't know if it's uh, male or female, uh, men, we are never, ever going to stop giving women attention. Maternal or fiery infused emotions and women in varying degrees from one man to the next is going to either like it and run with it a little playful or be some form of offended by it let's all stop pretending we are levitating above nature both genders love attention from the other it will never stop until the sun burns out and the earth hardens yeah but you you you, uh, you do it in a, in a responsible way. You, you know, you restrain yourself for a start. I mean, yes, I, I agree. You, you know, everybody likes a bit of attention. But she's there to do a job and she's there to be responsible for what is children until they're 16 plus. She's not there really to, um, uh, you know, to sort of, um, what's it, take the advances of students um, seriously. She should, she, do, she should have the responsibility to say, no, I'm here to work, and that's it. But from what, we, you know, from what we got from the newspaper article, she had sex with a 15-year-old. Now, if that had been a man, if that had been a male teacher on supply, and it was a 15-year-old girl, what do you think would have happened? Well, a, a big difference, I would think, a very big difference. But as you say, it's exactly the same, only the tables are, are turned. So, no, I think both both uh, female and male teachers um, have got the same responsibility at school. They're there to teach, not to flirt or um, take advantage of people who are giving them attention. I mean, yes, uh, you have your favorite teachers, don't you? And you sort of, um, you know, you do like certain teachers, but they're there to sort of hold back and take that as a as a compliment, not as an advancement of having sex with somebody at school, or or with a schoolboy. You know, you say, oh, that's very nice, and then you you should be above all that, shouldn't you, really? Well, I mean, the thing is, if uh, if she is obviously uh, not able to see the difference in responsibility between a teacher and fifteen-year-old boy then, uh, you know, by all means, uh, it's more difficult for maybe us to see um, her her attraction as an adult for a young boy. That's probably more difficult for me yeah, than we'll for say, you even. Well, say, for instance, um, in the school uh, staff room, in the staff room, the teacher's staff room, uh, there's obviously people, you know, all over the country that fancy another teacher and, and gone further and even married uh, another teacher from the same school. That's a, a totally different thing because we're, we're now talking about two adults uh, in um, above above the station of being um, a child. So that's a completely different thing. I think you should know how far you should go um, and you should be uh, an adult, adult enough to... Um, to stop when you know it's going a bit too far with um, with the admiration. Well, it shouldn't from be going anywhere. It shouldn't be going anywhere. Come yeah. on. I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, when I don't know what they're doing at teacher training anymore because I have to remember when I was 
uh, do, doing the teacher training bit. You know, I was a, a mature person, so I was looking for the sorts of things that might have cropped up. I don't remember anything ever being taught to the young trainee teachers, uh, certainly while I was about. Don't take advancements from, from a student, you know. <laughs> well, you know. Don't take them seriously because some, I would imagine some students uh, do uh, give a lot of um, uh, what's it, uh, compliments to a female, even females giving compliments to a male teacher. You know, I know myself, I mean, when I was only, I don't know, 12, 13, my, my favourite teacher was a man. But I didn't uh, make it go any further than just having, enjoying his, uh, his teaching. That, that was all, you know. So I still I know, think... It, it's very strange. I still think part of this is the laxity in uh, knowing for some people where's, what is right and what yeah. is wrong. Okay, I'm going to look at another story now. French bulldog rips off most of little boy's top lip during horror attack, leaving traumatised three-year-old needing surgery. So uh, I will bring the story up and we'll find out a little bit more about it. And uh, I have to be honest with you, these sort of stories be, are becoming far, far too... Um, too Sort of no, normalise. Let us just get uh, the story for you. OK, so the little boy lost the majority of his top lip after being attacked by a French bulldog. They normally don't come up as a bulldog, um, a, a dog that's, you know, attacking lock. But the three-year-old suffered serious facial injuries back in January of this year after he was attacked by a family member's dog, resulting in, in him losing most of his top lip. His mother said despite only being three years old, he is now really self-conscious with the way he looks. Um, it's quite funny, isn't it, when you hear something like this? And then you look at what some people are saying. Children age five are now able to uh, change the way that they uh, perceive themselves as being male or female. This is a little boy. He is a little boy. We've we know little people of these ages. My uh, son was attacked, she says, by a family's member's French bulldog when he was a left unattended as the adults had left the room. It was very quick and a huge shock, resulting in him losing 60% of his top lip. Um, yes, of course, uh, it looks horrible. This poor kid will probably take uh, an awful lot of time, not only uh, because of the way he feels that he might look, but also it's it, he must be then worrying about, you know, um, whether or not these uh, these dogs are likely to do it again. I mean, we're too silly with dogs in a general comment. Well, we've we've uh, we've um, never had a dog within our family, but we had I had a dog when I was um, you know a youngster, and it was like a golden Labrador, um, which was lovely dog. But any dog, it doesn't matter whether you say it's a gentle dog, it's a vicious dog. All all dogs have to be um, uh, what's it um, looked. Um, controlled when you around children even adults i mean we've seen um pack of dogs uh, attacking their owner i mean this is sort of outrageous um you've i think you've just got to be careful whatever breed the dog is you know it can be hot it can be uh, the child or whoever it is might have sat on them might have hurt them and the natural thing for a dog is to is to bite back uh, you know but they can't talk um, so whatever this child may maybe did, 
Um, it might have hurt the dog, but that's no excuse uh, to leave any dog alone with uh, a young child because young children, as you know, we've we've lost a family with two dogs. Um, and you know, the child pulls their ears, pulls their tail, pinches them. You know, a lot of dogs have to take a lot of abuse in the sense that a child really doesn't know it's hurting the dog. And unfortunately, um, certain dogs will, will um, fight back and will bite. So I think always um, an adult or somebody responsible should be in the same vicinity as um, never leave a dog um, alone with, a, with a, ch a small child or any child, basically. I think that's absolutely right. I think the trouble really is that would you expect a three-year-old? I mean, it's again, it's a question of responsibility. If you've, you've got a three-year-old in the house with uh, with any type of dog, not just a bulldog, not just any French a bulldog or whatever. A puppy. Um, yeah. I mean, any animal. I mean, you can even say the same about a cat. Uh, if a cat really was sat on or something and then yeah. decided to fight back, I, I think the problem is that people do forget that we're talking about animals, aren't we? Yeah, we're not. We're, we're talking about an animal who can't say, hey, don't do that, don't pull my hair, don't do this, don't sit on my leg, it's hurting, um, or whatever it might be. And after the attack, um, obviously the, the dog or the cat... Because as you say, cats could give you a nasty cut and a nasty scratch in the face or whatever. You immediately blame the animal. But nobody seems to understand that um, the animal might have been um, hurt before that by the, by the human. So mm. that's why, at least when you're in the room with a dog or a cat, you can see something brewing like a child getting too boisterous with a dog yeah, or a cat. Yeah, but if the kitty is left on, on its own... Yeah. And we see this time and time again, and the number of um, of those TikTok and Instagram things that you'll see come up, and you've got a, uh, somebody thinking it's funny uh, because a, a, a dog and a child are having a bit of fun together. They they could be having a bit of fun together, but that's what you well, want you, it to be. If you see a dog, uh, two dogs, sorry, play fighting, they call it play, two cats. I, I mean, many times I work as a, a voluntary for um, a cat rescue, and the two cats are rolling around with their mouths open, grabbing the neck, and it's called play fighting, uh, and exactly the same with the dog. So, you know, don't ex don't don't be uh, surprised if a dog does play fighting with a human. I mean, uh, you know, we've seen friends, and they they say, oh, they won't bite me. He's, he's just got his mouth in my hand, uh, but he won't bite me. So they're play fighting, but y you can't expect. Uh, for a dog to know the difference between play fighting sometimes and, and a child hurting them um, because they don't understand. All they say is, um, I'm, you're hurting me, so I'm going to bite you. You know, so that's the end of it, really. So uh, an adult uh, or somebody responsible uh, in the same room or the same vicinity should see that brewing. So don't do that, don't, don't do that, you know, to the child. Here's the next one. Okay, so our next one then, and you will remember a name, uh, Greta Thunberg. 
Anyway, she's been hauled away by police in Sweden just hours after walking out of court with a £120 fine for her part in a previous eco-protest. She's 20 now and she's appeared at Malmo District Court uh, in this particular morning, but just hours later sat on the road leading to an oil terminal at a Swedish port as part of a new protest. Thunberg was carried away by police after blocking the road and putting out a sign which read one block or I block uh, tanker trucks. At the hearing, uh, Thunberg, who inspired the global youth movement demanding uh, stronger efforts to fight climate change, had admitted that she had disobeyed the police order but pleaded not guilty, saying she did acted out of necessity. My actions are justifiable, Thunberg told the court, according to the Tissids. Uh, Svenskan newspaper. I believe we are in an emergency that threatens life, health and property. Countless people and communities are at risk, both in the short term and in the long term. After a short trial, the court found that she was still liable for her actions and sentenced her to pay a fine of £112, roughly, in an additional um, Swedish fund for victims of crime. Now, I don't know whether or not uh, history will, will prove people like her wrong or right, uh, but she strikes me as being a little madam. I have to be honest, she's the sort of person, to, to me, who basically just thinks that she can get away with anything. Well, and she's, she certainly won't be paying for that fine. I mean, she's funded by so many groups of people um, uh, that that 100 and whatever it was is like a drop in, drop in the ocean, isn't it? She's not, she's not bothered about that. She thinks she's got power and people behind her are giving her that power. What do you really think is going on? Because we've got these terrible fires in, uh, obviously, Greece is the worst place, but you have got uh, other places as well. So, I mean, what do you think is actually going on? Well, I I, I think it's, it's terrible and all that, but it happens every year, Vince, doesn't it? I mean, every single year we see wildfires all over the world. It's nothing absolutely... It's nothing new. I mean, if if the temperature is hot and the wind is blowing... And how many times, I don't think for a minute this has happened, maybe it has, how many times has it been found out that it's been started deliberately? I mean, you know, people forget this sometimes, that um, some people are, what's that word when you like fires? I can't remember. Well, we'll just say fire raisers. The fire raisers, yeah. uh, they just like seeing a fire. Um, God forbid that that hasn't happened. But it's terrible, but it does happen every year. I mean, the big thing, um, I think, is when you've got a waste field, not, not obviously um, forests and things like that, you can't do anything about it, but if you've got uh, waste ground like we have here in our area, um, quite often you'll, you'll go one day and it's all been cleared. And I think this could be one of the solutions, especially near houses, you know, have a sort of a barrier, uh, like a, a wind block, uh, near near the houses, near um, villages or near towns even. Um, but I know it can't happen everywhere. But where it can happen, I don't know why people don't do this. You know, um, it is killing trees and that, but it's also saving lives, isn't it? 
Well, I was reading an article about the, the horrific fires they've got in Canada. Some people, some Canadian people were writing and saying these things happen every year. Others were saying that politically they haven't been paying to clear and manage areas oh, no, where, yeah. where you're likely to have these problems. Yeah, but of yeah. course this year, you know, it suits some people to uh, have this in with the climate change dialogue. Mm. Thing is, if you look down from maybe a satellite or pictures from a satellite at Earth and you actually see the size of Britain compared with other countries and, you know, you, you, you see what's going on. Um, I mean, we, we've had horrendous fires virtually every single year of every single... Well, since I could, as a child. Well, we remember 1976, for example. The, this was the year of the drought in the UK, mm. when they had the Minister for Drought, Dennis Howell, uh, was uh, you know given that particular authority um, to try and sort out what was going to happen because the the heavy was was just powder and. Uh, tinderbox wasn't it really yeah, and i mean all the crops are, are affected uh, like they are uh, you know all over the world if you don't have rain so it's it's terrible but it's not unusual is it and i don't think it's happening even more whereas uh, obviously people the green people and the people against the environment and all the, uh, for the uh, they're sort of highlighting it as if it's never happened before um it's terrible but it it it's one of those uh, n nature thing, isn't it? It's a natural phenomenon, like uh, the rain, the, the thunderstorms, um, uh, um, uh, what's it, uh, volcanoes erupting. Uh, you know, it's when when you have a house insurance, they say you can't cover for a natural disaster, and these are what they call natural disasters, aren't they? You know, you can't foresee. That I mean, even here in Spain, you can't foresee that you're going to have a, a thunderstorm with massive, I mean, I'm talking golf balls and bigger um, hailstones pounding down on your car and properties and things like that. You can't foresee that with your insurance. And in some cases, they don't cover it. It's, it's um, something that just happens uh, naturally. I, I suppose the difficulty for ordinary people, and remember the whole purpose of our podcast is just looking at bits of news and trying to make some sort of sense out of it. But I mean, if 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 the if the science who've dedicated scientists who've dedicated their lives to trying to understand all these things can't agree, then really, why would they expect everybody else to either just take one side or the other? I mean, you know, we're all confused.com. We don't really know what's going on. All as we do know is that last year at this time of the year, it was horrible. Uh, August will be horrible. And then hopefully September should be a little bit better. Um, I do remember when I interviewed Michael Fish, who was uh, part of the meteorolog meteorologists who used to feed into the BBC. And he did tell me this part of Spain would eventually become like a desert. So, you know, I just hope um, it takes a lot more number of years before it gets to that stage. But as I say, if he was uh, predicting that um, at least 20 or 30 years ago, it's and these um, people that do the weather systems and everything, it's a weather um, prediction, um, nothing to do with the climate, is it? It's just something that's going to happen and evolve anyway. I mean, uh, we keep saying that, I mean, the, 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 the small amount of emissions that will be stopped because of electric cars is, is like literally a drop in the ocean of the world. It, it won't make any, any um, 
any effect on England at all. I mean, they're so down the list of um, being, being I'd good. love to know who wheeled out Greta Thunberg and, you know, gave her the eminence when basically she's no better informed than anybody else. It's somebody thinking it's a young person that will attract the young people's voices. But as I say, you know, start attacking places like India, China, Russia. Um, they don't give a toss about the environment. You know, they're not going to stop all the smoke and the cars. And they might make electric cars, but they certainly don't um, e e force the the people to buy an electric car because it, when it comes down to it most people can't afford an electric cars i mean we, we'll never buy an electric car because of, of the cost so um sometimes these people are fighting a losing battle aren't they really it's um a minority against the majority of people okay here's the next one Okay, we're looking mainly at headlines and then, uh, you know, when something really needs to be uh, debated, then we'll get into that at a later stage. A New York dad next has been left comatosed uh, with life-changing injuries after teenagers brutally attacked him in Ireland. You don't expect this to be... I don't know why, but you don't expect Ireland to be like that. Although, having said that, the nation with such a uh, volatile history, I suppose, you know... Uh, he was on a, a dream vacation in Dublin when he was kicked and beaten by a pack of youths in horrific scenes caught from afar on security footage. The father of two could lose his eye and suffer lifelong disability following the attack, which happened around 10.40pm um, in Talbot Street on Wednesday, according to the police. He remains in a critical condition in a coma at Beaumont Hospital in the north of the Irish capital, according to uh, the family. Now, the... I don't know. I, I really don't understand why uh, these young people are attacking just about anybody that can get their hands on when they feel that they've got a majority and obviously uh, usually it'll be a, a group of them against just one person. Uh, they've, they have um, got hold of a 14-year-old boy, uh, but... What is wrong with, you know, the world when you can't have somebody who's not even from your country coming through? I mean, it's even dangerous to get on um, a plane, isn't it? People don't realise. But he's spending money into the, to the Irish economy. And uh, now, of course, he's going to have a problem with his health and trying to recuperate and whatever, get back to normal life. I because he won't get back to normal life after well, this, will he? I just, I, as you say, um, not only this incident, but any incident when it's um, a man or a woman that's attacked by a gang of youths, usually, or, or uh, uh, older teenagers, maybe, on you know, early, early uh, youth. Uh, I just don't under understand their mentality of why they do this. And th again, you know, when when there's so many, it, are, are they are they just cowards because the, could they not do um, like a boxing thing is different one one on one but obviously they're going to win if there's like i don't know half a dozen three of them against one person and the one thing i hate is when uh, these people uh, kick in somebody's head over and over again they know what they're doing um 
please, you know, if they get caught or anyone gets caught doing this type of thing, they're the, they're the ones that need the long sentences because that person and that person's family have got that tragedy um, with them for the rest of their lives. Not, you know, your um, suspended sentence for two years or three years. They're not going to stop. They're going to think they're flipping heroes. They're untouchable. Uh, their friends will think, oh, you know, you got away with that and blah, blah. They need putting away and kept away for, I would say, a minimum of five or six years, no matter how old they are. Because if they don't have a short, sharp shock like that, they're going to do it again. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, these type of uh, humans, I would I say, they're not human. They're just bullies and they're cowards and they think it's funny. Uh, so therefore, I think the strongest possible sentence should be put on them. Because the poor families have got that sentence for the rest of their lives. They've either got to okay, this, see uh, that this, person, you know. This guy is a tourist in uh, Dublin. Uh, he strolls out of the um, the lodgings on his own. Uh, obviously, these uh, heroes, uh, they will sort of see this poor man on his own, and that's why they probably thought that they'll get away with it. The trouble is, they will get away with it at the moment, because for whatever reason... Um, the judges everywhere seem not able to give a proper sentence. And when all said and done, uh, I said this when I was teaching and I said it when I decided to come away from teaching. It's like a dog. If you have a puppy and you don't stop the puppy from biting you. Train it. Sooner or later, that puppy will turn round and will bite you. And he's getting bigger and you're getting maybe a bit older. So as you're maybe possibly getting a bit weaker, that dog will be getting a bit stronger. And of course, if it's in a pack of dogs, this is the sort of thing that you're going to get. Now, what my question is, A, why do they do it? And B, why aren't people stopping them doing it in the respect of when they find who it is and they get them to court, there's not much of a punishment going around, is there? No, I mean, they, they turn up... Uh, this is a, c a common thing. Uh, we've seen lots of dramas, uh, real-life uh, crime dramas, and uh, they turn up not like they're dressed in the streets with their hoodies on, their scruffy jeans, uh, trainers. They turn up in a, in a collar and tie and maybe a suit that they borrowed from somebody and brush their hair. Uh, and, you know, they look respectable. You know, butter wouldn't melt in our mouths. I mean, we know for a fact that they're told to appear in court like this. No, I, I mean, if it's, if it's a cut and dried um, evidence that certain people have done this thing and they've got them in court, the, the appearance of them in court should not make a halfpenny worth of difference. You should look at the facts and just see through this that they're not little angels, they're little devils. But as you just said, why do they do it? Why does it happen over and over again? I think partly the reason why they're doing it is uh, exactly what I've been trying to say for a long, long time. I'm talking about going back into the last century now. Um, if you've got the television and ostensibly the television has got more and more violent, 
you've taken away the likes of what was the kiddies treaty the you know the time when they'd stop the tv and the kids were put to bed that doesn't exist anymore because the kids don't do it like that anymore you've got kids sitting up watching little things on their iphones and on the televisions and uh, anything rather than you know quality supervision by the parents this is a general comment look around the headlines look around the major cities and you'll find that what is a general comment is also a general truth the problem really is if you've got lots of programs going on and lots of violence you sit and watch the tv even if you're fed up with the violence on one particular show and one particular channel you turn over and what will you find probably more violence or more sex or more something objectionable on the other programs so I find myself now getting to the stage where you've gone right through all the the, the normal uh, trash, if you like, um, not quality programmes, um, and you eventually end up looking at something like um, the, the police and, um, you know, um, highway patrol or something like that. I see how they're actually dealing with these criminals. Mm, yeah, the interceptors. I mean, we, we do watch that and... Uh even that must be so frustrating for uh, the majority of good policemen because they put the, their own lives on the line to save uh, the general public, basically, from, uh, from these thugs um, and everything. And then, unless they've got the right evidence, the, the, uh, the actual proof, the, uh, the, ev- uh, the video evidence, which, thank goodness now, they do have video cams on a lot because the... the, the um, the baddie person um, uh, says, oh, you know, he hurt, the policeman hurt me and when he was put, he hit my head and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, the policeman or the police women, they get accused of being too rough. And then it just seems to um, skim over what they've done, what they might have done, might have crashed into someone on a motorbike, for instance, what we saw the other day. And it was so great the other day, uh, this boy f- uh, skidded off his bike, didn't hurt himself. There was one policeman on his own holding him down. And this member of the public, a woman, said, you need help? And he said, yeah. She sat on this boy's legs and he was struggling. He was only a teenager, uh, but he was strong. And, he, and she actually helped him um, until um, police, um, uh, more police came and, and helped him. And she was interviewed and she said, well, I, I admire the police. She said, they come down this alleyway on their motorbikes after they've pinched a motorbike. The police can't get them because the, the car can't go that way. And she said, f- the whole of the neighborhood are absolutely fed up. It's like a rat race, a rat run. Uh, and they just guess, and they just think it's funny. I don't want to be as boring as it's going to sound, but it is boring. It's boring for me to have to keep repeating the same thing. When you've got kids who basically haven't got fathers because the fathers go missing they have their bit of fun and then decide to uh, run away so very often you've got maybe a single mother or certainly if you've got no influence of um, parental control in the house and many of these are outside the house at eight nine ten etc so it's who they mix with it's their peers isn't it if they get involved with bad kids in the street and the mum has to go out, for instance, has to go out to work and, it, and it, uh, expects maybe an older brother or sister to keep them in. There's no, there's no way that's going to happen. And especially on these, um, dare I say, these estates, big sort of rough estates, 
uh, it's very easy for a child to get into uh, a bad crowd Okay, so we've got that scenario where kids as long as young as nine and ten and even say seven, eight uh, can be out being mixing with the wrong people. Then they go to school. The teachers aren't really trying as a, to uh, do anything other than put some sort of discipline in. And you've got the parents who don't bother looking after the children going in and interfering with the teachers who are trying to do a good job. And then, of course, there are some teachers that just don't know how to control um, classes of young people. And sadly, uh, is it ever going to get better? I can't no, see it's going no. to get better until there's a drastic change in well, laws. There would, there would be a change because, as you know, when you were teaching, there was detention, there was um, not not going out to you know to go to the playground at school time because you couldn't do detention after school because a lot of the children arrive on a bus um, and it's inconvenient for the parents to pick them up an hour or so later. That's all. That's all completely gone. The the the. The teacher now has really no um, no punishment whatsoever because um, the children, you know, you can't, in my day, you had to write 100 lines by the next day. There's no way a child's going to do that and, a, anymore. Well, you can't do that they anymore. They don't have to. The kids are cleverer, than the, like. cleverer on the technology than the parents. They'll get somebody who knows about the chatbot and they'll have the, they'll have the technology no, no. No, writing they, their punishment. No, but they could. They wouldn't even write it by hand, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you, you just couldn't do that. A child would just laugh in the teacher's face. There's no... There's no punishment now, really, um, and a child can more or less do and say, and I'm not saying, again, it's only a small minority. I can remember um, a, a friend of ours, her, she was the, the child was 10, and there was 30 in the class, two were terrors, absolute terrors. The whole of the 28 other boys and girls were terrified of these two bloody kids. Because they control the teacher, they disrupted classes, and if if they agreed with the teacher, they said, or if we said anything, they would then be bullied in the um, in the playground or bullied on the way home. I seem to remember when I used to come back from doing a day's work in the schools that uh, certain people would probably think I was always exaggerating and telling people what was going on they thought it was definitely i was i was exaggerating it rather than reporting what was going on i'm going to move on and something totally different uh, will be our last one today the number you have reached has been disconnected Okay, I'm looking at uh, one of the sad headlines that's hitting hitting us today. Trevor Francis has died at the age of 69. Football mourns the loss of the first British million-pound player who won two European Cups with Nottingham Forest after being signed by Brian Clough. Um, it hasn't been written totally clear that. The first British million-pound player, what they really mean is he was the first player that was signed for a, a million pounds. And, of course, uh, Brian Clough was the man uh, that uh, signed him up. Uh, he, Plymouth Argyle was the club that he'd been playing for. And he's died at the... Um, uh, he went from, I think, he went from Plymouth to Birmingham City. I think that's where, where it all came about. Um, but uh, we now get to the stage where, you know, 
when we're trying to look at sensible answers to some of the problems like we've just been talking about, the kids, not many people see, as I do, um, that there is a connection between the way we play pay footballers and the way the people, in a general sense, don't see that if you're going to pay a million pounds for one footballer and then you don't won't pay ordinary money even for a junior doctor or, um, you know, a teacher to be trained properly or whatever. Um, I mean, I'm looking at another headline which is coming in today about a Saudi club, Al-Hilal, and they're putting a staggering world record £259 million bid for the French player uh, Kylian Mbappe. Now, you know, when you look at the the price that uh, people pay for their prime minister, their president, their whatever is leading their country. Um, you know, did it really start with these prices for Trevor Francis and the other footballers who have come along later? Or was, was it always a plot to sort of make people uh, see not maybe what's right in front of their very eyes, which is uh, the, the sense and sensibility has got to come into how you pay everybody. Not just one person here gets a million and another person over there gets a million. You know, at the end of the day, terrible expression, but it is a footballing uh, expression. Uh, you know, uh, when you have just got a figure like that, £259 million for one player who I've watched and... For times I've thought, he's not even worth whatever they've paid now because he's not running. You know, he scores a few goals every now and again when it when he feels like it. Yeah, I hate it. Um, and a lot of other people hate it. I mean, how many times have we said to people, uh, especially you, uh, oh, you know, what team do you follow? I don't follow a team. I'm absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm right against football now. And we say, why? And they said, because it's a joke. It's monopoly money. And uh, yes, I, I don't blame the footballer. If someone offered me uh, millions of pounds per week, you, you'd be a fool to say no, wouldn't you, really? But it's just, it's just horrible when you think these Saudi Arabia places uh, that have got this sort of money, more money than cents, basically, and they can't even give their own people uh, accommodation, a basic accommodation, um, you know, in fields. Well, we don't see even lots if they of were intense, but they they don't look after their own people, which would cost them a minimal amount of money. You know, fresh water, well, if, accommodation. If, 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 for example, we suddenly saw all these uh, Arabs who are, are basically trying to steal all these uh, people away from the um, different leagues here in Europe, if we saw them paying a huge amount of money to help the repatriation of these people who are going to Europe and going to these uh, other places, maybe I'd see things differently. But it just seems absolutely yeah, wrong, doesn't they, it? They don't help their, their own people. That's what really upsets and annoys me. They've got this sort of monopoly money. It's not real money, is it? It's just a f they, they can offer anything. Uh, no, but, no but they've got the money because they've I got, know, got it backed up with the oil reserves yeah, and everything. Yeah, they've got more money than cents. So why don't they help their own people? They, they have they have tented 
towns already prepared for people who are going to go to Mecca to go and yeah. you know make the pilgrimages why if they if they really really wanted to show that they were really uh, concerned about these people uh, then why don't they put them up there you know let them go straight to a, a proper a village and let them all you know at least get on with their lives rather than the turmoil I, I mean, that's everywhere I mean the the, um, the average uh, person I would think in Saudi Arabia that's you know, living in poverty, in real, real poverty, you know, not just, you know, you haven't got a fridge or something like that. I'm talking about having nothing. If they gave them the basic uh, things of life, water, accommodation, uh, even the basic accommodations, like pre we call them prefabs, but just wooden huts, but with, with, they'd be happy as anything, but no, I just can't get my head around how they won't help their own people. If they help their own people, it would be a drop in the ocean for them, for the money, for the money you're talking about, for footballers. Okay, a uh, lot of different and difficult things to talk about in the papers. Uh, obviously, uh, R.I.P. to those uh, personalities we've been talking about. Let's hope uh, that the world maybe becomes a better place sooner rather than later. In the meantime, we'll keep looking at the papers and seeing what's in the headlines. Thank you, Barbara Ann. Okay, thanks, Vince. Thanks, everybody. Uh, try and enjoy the rest of the week. Okay, bye.